Well, that was the opening music to The Defiant Ones, released in 1958, and starring Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier. And this is Classic Movie Reviews. You can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net or in iTunes, search for Classic Movie Reviews, or in Facebook. I, I tried this out. You actually have to search for ClassicMovieReviews.net, all one word. If you just search for Classic Movie Re- Reviews, you'll find that there's another Classic Movie Review podcast out there, which maybe you also want to listen to if you're into classic movies. Um, and I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from North Bend today. And I'm uh, Bob Johnson, recording here in Los Angeles, welcoming you all back to Classic Movie Reviews and to The Defiant Ones. Um, excellent movie, another one of Stanley Kramer's uh, marvelous movies that he did in the uh, late 40s and 1950s that covered subjects of interracial marriage, uh, freedom of, uh, of uh, teaching, um, the Holocaust, uh, nuclear war. I tell you, he, he covered the waterfront when it came to social issues. Um, the movies that come to mind are Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 1967, Inherit the Wind, 1960, Judgment at Nuremberg, 1961, uh, On the Beach from uh, 1959, and uh, the Champion from 1949, where Mr. Kramer was the producer. Wonderful movies. Yeah, and you have a good story about uh, about him. You were telling me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. We, uh, we all moved to Seattle in 1982, and uh, probably 1983, one of the favorite places that you and Ben liked to go to was Chuck E. Cheese's, which was next to Fred Meyer in Bellevue. So we go over there one evening, and uh, you guys are playing the different games, and we're waiting. Uh, Deborah and I are waiting for our pizza to arrive. And who should be at the next table but Stanley Kramer, Mrs. Kramer, and uh, the Kramer grandchildren? And they were, they were just having a good time having pizza at Chuck E. Cheese's. The the one thing I regret from that is I never walked over, and because uh, he was like maybe fifteen feet away, I never walked over and thanked him for all the wonderful movies that he'd made. I wish I had done that. He lived in Bellevue from, I think, 1980 until about 1996, something like that, when he moved back to Los Angeles. <laughs> it was quite an encounter. Yeah, not somebody you expect to see at Chuck E. Cheese, like, randomly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's never happened since. 
Oh, you you so. you did run into uh, somebody when you were living in Seattle, though, down by the, Lake Washington, uh, didn't you? Um, oh, all the time uh, when I lived in Madison Park. Yeah, I'd always run into Tom Skerritt, either in Starbucks or one day I was at the uh, Bank of America ATM getting some money and I turn around <laughs> and here's Tom Skerritt with, with one of his grandkids. I'm like, wow, he he's he's not as big as he is on an 80 foot mm. screen. Really nice guy, though. Very, very pleasant. And he's still making movies, too. Sociable. That guy, man, he's been making movies for forever. Oh, yeah, I think he's in his mid-80s. Uh, back to this movie. That uh, I thought Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier had both both did an excellent job in this in this movie. And you were saying that they, had, they were both nominated for an Academy Award, I think? They were. They were. They both. Uh, they they were nominated for the same award, best actor. This movie had a lot of nominations. Um, let's see. I've got my list here. Best supporting actor, Theodore Bakel. Best supporting actress, Carol Williams. Best director, best picture. It won uh, two Academy Awards: best cinematography in black and white, and the best uh, screenplay direct to, uh, directly to the screen. So uh, Mr. Kramer was used to a lot of the nominations for Academy Awards. And and uh, Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis both had excellent careers. I tell you, we could do it. We could do a uh, a, a podcast festival just about Mr. Poitier's uh, films to serve with love, which we've already reviewed from 1967 in the heat of the night, 1967. And he won an Academy Award for a really wonderful movie, Lilies of the Field, in 1963. He helps a group of nuns, I think, from Germany, somewhere in the southwest. He helps them build a chapel. It's really, really a a, a nice movie. Yeah, I'd be down for I'd be down for a series of movies with him for sure. We should do that. We're, we're forming series. Like we've got one uh, I, in the back of my mind for Gregory Peck, and now yeah. Sidney Poitier. We could do one for Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> there you go. So balance out the score. We did that for a while. We'd have like a theme for the month. That was fun. We, yeah, we, we did. We, we did Idol of Pino, and then we did the animation. We were all over the place. Silent movies. Silent yeah. movies, yes. It's hard to review then, a silent movie because you can't really do an eclipse. No, but they have, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good music, though. Music, yeah. Well, uh, Tony Curtis also had a had a great career. He... He was in the uh, Navy from the beginning of World War II until the end of the war, and I looked up that he was at the he was on a destroyer at the final signing of papers uh, on the battleship Missouri by Douglas MacArthur at the end of the Japanese conflict. He observed that, and then he oh, decided wow. to go into uh, acting, and he he did some wonderful movies, Some Like It Hot from 1959, which is an hilarious Billy Wilder film. Uh, the Sweet Smell of Success with Burt Lancaster from 1957, kind of a takeoff on on uh, journalism as it was practiced that time. And uh, then he did one that was really out of his norm, The Boston Strangler from 1968, a real story about Albert DeSalvo. So he he did he did quite a lot of film. And the reason that he wanted to be in this movie. Was that he had been? He was afraid he was going to get typecast as the pretty boy. I know. And he wanted to be more of a dramatic actor. And I think, yeah, I think he 
accomplish that because I thought he did a really good job in this. He really was a handsome man, I tell you. Uh, I didn't know, I never thought of him as being a pretty boy, but I guess he was. It's fun to watch some of these people that were later very successful. I remember in Winchester 73, a, a film with James Stewart, uh, Tony Curtis is in that and Rock Hudson is in that. And they're playing these very minor parts in the film. It's fun. I think at that time it was Anthony Curtis. I think he changed his name to Tony later. But they did a really nice job in this in this film, which was really ahead of its time for 60 years ago. It's one of these films that you, you get a real divisive split on the ratings. I was reading the reviews on IMDb and there's a lot of eights and nines and a few tens and then there's quite a few threes and fours and fives and the folks that were rating it lower were saying that it was just too melodramatic that it was uh predictable that it the story was uh not very much happened it wasn't very interesting the acting was kind of stiff i could see that point of view if you watch it today and think about all the films that have come since this movie that have had similar themes like we were talking about uh that movie alien nation oh the one uh, with james Caan, right right yeah and it's kind of similar to that and then there's the movie enemy mine where uh dennis quaid is uh stuck on a planet with an alien and they have to work together to survive and i think it was lewis gossett jr that played the alien it was a good movie by the way there was another one, uh, Robinson Caruso on Mars, where oh, right. they, uh, yeah, they had to work together to survive. So, yeah, it it, it led to many spinoffs. Uh, uh, and, th- and this one was, I, I realized this one was actually remade in the 80s. I've never um, seen that remake, have you? No, I never, <clears throat> no. Uh-uh. I don't even know who I would, I don't remember who was in that. Anyway. But. But I think if you if you put yourself back in 1958 and when this movie was released, this was before the civil rights movement. There was still segregation. There's a comment at the beginning of the movie. Noah Cullen, Negro, assault and battery, attempt to kill, 1020. Parole refused, solitary, work camp. John Jackson, Caucasian, armed robbery, Asian, Caucasian. Five to ten, attack guard, additional five parole refused. Hey, Max. Hmm? How come they chained a white man to a black? The warden's got a sense of humor. What did he say just now? He said not to worry about catching them. They'd probably kill each other before they go five miles. Yeah, that was a telling comment about what was going on at the time. Yeah, I think that was an important comment to set up the plot. I think it was uh, alluding to just how not normal it would be for them to be together <laughs> well at that time yeah, i have to guard against that myself when i look at these older movies that we love to review uh and and, and i have to be careful not to put it in the context of what things are doing today what what events are happening uh you know we've done gentleman's agreement we've done other movies like that and for the time in which they were made they were they were kind of front runners and forerunners and uh, yeah. to put it in the prism of today, it's it's tough to, to for me to do that. Yeah, but I, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. I had a really hard time finding a copy. I think I was telling you that uh, I, I just assu- I was texting you. I remember 
<laughs> oh like, yes, help. Two two days before we were gonna record, I'm like, okay, I better watch this movie. And I was like, oh my god, I can't find it. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. It's not on any of the normal places I would go look. And I thought, well, I'll order it through Netflix DVD, and it's not available through that service either. And then I thought, well, last resort, I could order a DVD through Amazon. Uh, and I, oh my gosh, it was so expensive. It was anywhere from 25 to like $40. And I'm like, nope, I'm not wow. going to spend that much money on a movie. So my last resort was, well, I'll just search YouTube. Maybe Sometimes they'll have like a really crappy copy of a movie on YouTube. And that was the case. So it wasn't the best copy. I, I don't feel like I really got the full effect of the cinematography by any means, but... Uh, it was one way to watch it. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But, man, this is not an easy movie to find to watch. There must be some copyright issues or something with, or ownership issues with the film because it was nominated for a lot of Academy Awards and for it not to be available readily on, like, a streaming service or a DVD service is kind of unusual. We laughed. We were talking about this. I have you at an, a disadvantage because my friend, my retired actor friend, has like between fifteen thousand and twenty thousand DVDs. It's like going to, it's like going to my <laughs> own DVD library. <laughs> but in this case, uh, I did watch uh, the movie on Turner Classic Movies. It was on a few weeks back. But I think coming out of that experience, we decided that all the movies that we do going forward, we have to make sure. They're available, <laughs> so people can yeah, find them. Yeah, I got to do more uh, homework before we pick movies. Uh, well, I th- and I think it's going to be funny. I think it's going to be more difficult too because some of the movies that we want to do this next year are not as popular now as they might have been when they came out. Yeah, I think some of the ones that we're talking about watching are going to be tough to find, so we'll have to be more resourceful. Um, well, back to the yeah, we should talk about the, the plot, the, a the bit. plot, and and a, co- a couple of other characters. I thought. Sheriff Max Muller, Theodore Bakel was was really excellent in terms of the the part, the uh, character, and how it was written. Well, if you will, Max, who sent for you? I called him. What am I going to do with them? Deputize them. Yeah, we're handed But I only have six men. You turn that radio off, dude. Those roadblocks don't pick those boys up. We may have to find comb a lot of ground before we're going to flush it. Well, watch how you play with those guns. They're not toys. You kidding, Max? After all the hunting we've done together? It's just like running rabbits. These are men. Same thing. Sure. Men and rabbits, same thing. It's not the same thing. And then Charles McGraw, a favorite of mine in a lot of movies. And Remember the narrow margin? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he in this movie he's he's uh, a stereotype of 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 the segregated uh, imprisonment of people, and uh, and then Lon Chaney Jr. as Big Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I didn't realize he was in it. He shows up. I'm like, whoa, the Wolfman. He's awesome. <laughs> his face looks like it's seen all the troubles of a hundred years of history. Man, oh man. Well, he really looked like he was working on that. Uh, in that factory didn't he like- <laughs> <laughs> so the the movie starts with a with a terrible rainstorm and I, my takeaway from that is never drive a 1938 truck in a thunderstorm at night boy that that was 
I, I don't know how they could even see. They must have been bringing people back from working on the chain gang. I think so. And our characters yeah. are chained together. I guess we should mention who they are. Yeah, Tony Curtis plays John Joker Jackson, and they call him Joker in the movie. And then Sidney Poitier plays Noah Collin. Um, and they're, yeah, the two main characters. And then they they escape when, when the truck crashes. They're able to escape. They're not badly injured during the crash. Uh, but they are chained together, which poses a lot of uh, challenges for them as they're on the run. Boy, they and it seemed like it rained about nine inches an hour in this first part of the movie. They were all over the place trying to get away, and they yeah they were soaked. They and then they had to cross that river. Yes, remember? Oh. and they yeah. <clears throat> and they started out. They really didn't like each other. I, I don't know if they hated each other or not, but it was very apparent that they uh, did not want to be chained together. <laughs> Buy me a pair of buckskin shoes with a brand new suit and a silk shirt. And I'll be Charlotte Potatoes. Charlotte Potatoes coming down the steps with a Panama hat and a good looking guy. Come on, boy, you got a free arm. Come on, boy, hit it. Come on, boy, hit it now. Boy, yeah, hit it. Yes, a boss. Hit it. No more, yes, a boss. I'll catch a boat three and I'll never be found. No more, yes, a boss. I'll never be found. No more, yes, a boss. Need a chisel and a hammer. Come on, let's go. Go where? Parva, let's head for Parva. Parva south. I don't go south. I should know a girl in Parva. If she's still there, we get these broke up. Come on. And then what? I'm a strange colored man in a white south town. How long you think before they pick me up? Get off my back. I ain't married to you. Now, what do I care? Come on. You married to me, all right, Joker. And here's the ring. But I ain't going south on no honeymoon now. We going north. Through the swamp? We go around it. Used to work a turpentine mill about 60 miles north of here. There's a train. Come to pick up the turpentine every day. Come out of the west end of the swamp, heading across the line to the paint makers up north in Ohio. Now we try for that train. Mm-hmm. How long you been in jail? Eight years. Then how do you know the train's still running? I don't know. You don't know? You asking me to go 60 miles with you and you don't even know? What are you inviting me on? A long walk off a short pier and I'm going to come up with a wet head? Nothing doing. Now come on. Come on, damn you. Come on. <laughs> you Charlie Potatoes, huh? Yeah. You gonna dance down the street with a gal on one arm yeah. and this on the other? Shut up. I mean, you gonna grab our boat to Rio, pull yeah. in your own anchor? We can get this broke. What you gonna do? Bite it through with your teeth? Maybe your head hard enough. Time's gonna come, Joe. The time's gonna come. But if you want it to be right here, right now, that's okay with me. You kind of got the advantage of me, boy. You're awful tough to see if the line ain't good, but you can hear me, Joker, so listen good. Either we go north together or together, we're going to go them 10 miles right back onto Dead Street. You're right, boy. Man, you're right. The time is going to come. It's sure going to come. All right. Now, north is up that way. Well, I don't know if it was a personal thing or if it was just that you know, it was it was the race relations uh, part of it, but uh, they have a little speech at the beginning about how jo- Joker's saying that they're gonna get into a fight at one point. It's he's gonna he's gonna show them who's you know yeah yeah who's in, who's the boss. Uh, so they go through this terrible and difficult terrain and weather, 
And then they make the stop at, at, of all things, a turpentine plant out in the middle of nowhere. And I got to tell you, I was influenced there by a Robert Mitchum movie from a little earlier time where he was a moonshiner. He was driving moonshine trying to escape the feds. And I thought, now that, that was my image of what went on in these backwoods. They were making uh, moonshine, not turpentine. I bet they were making moonshine in, in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> a, sec, a second unit. Oh. They get caught because they're, trying, they're, they're hungry and they, they need to eat. And so they're trying to break into this little uh, store there in the in the town. It's really small. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a town. It's more like a a few shacks in a in a road. Yeah, that's about it. Um, and they break a window and they make a bunch of noise, and so they end up getting caught. And the townspeople are ready to like lynch them both. Really, I mean. Uh, and they figure that they're not going to get in trouble because these are two escaped convicts. I mean, who's going to question them i know but they're they're saved because of the interference of big sam lon cheney jr who who is appalled by the way his neighbors are are reacting and he persuades them to uh, lock him up and then they turn him over the next morning but not to hang him which one of you did it did you do it why did you do it how is he sam he ain't come to yet he ought to be all right. Yeah, he ought to be. Did he do it? You protecting your buddy? Well, it don't matter. You're both going to hang. You can't do anything to us. We escaped colonists. So? So they're going to be looking for us. What are you going to do when they find us? You're going to be crow meat when they find you. That's what's going to happen. Well, you ain't going to get away with it. Nobody's going to know who pulled the rope. Don't you know there's a reward for escaped convicts? Rewards always say dead or alive. Don't you understand? You can't go lynching me. I'm a white man. You're... I'll tell you the kind of white man you are. Spit on him. For God's sake. Go on. Spit on him. Let me alone, Sam. We're just having a little fun, huh, boys? Come on, come on, you heard me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Get out of my way, Sam, or you're going to have trouble, too. I already told you. Joe's going to be all right. You told me. Fine. You just don't give a damn, do you? All right. The rest of you big men, you want to lynch him, huh? You, Glover. You look anxious. Go ahead, tie it around their necks. Go on! You look good, huh? Here. Go ahead, chop them up. Go on! Well, you want to burn them? You want to burn them? Huh? You want to burn them? What do you want to burn? Go on!
any more big men? Bill's all right. Took six stitches, but he's okay. All right. Lock them two up. I'll take them there back in the morning in the wagons. Put Mac in his shack where he belongs. And the rest of you go on to bed. I like that speech. I think something must have happened in his past because he had talked about being on a chain gang gang and I think he feels the injustice of the whole thing and probably wants to help them out based on what had happened to him and then because the, he he ends up letting them go yeah, he right? secretly releases them and you know he was on a chain gang he looked like from his face that he'd been on more than one chain gang it's just <laughs> yeah. I mean this I think this was near the end of his life uh but he, it was a really it was a really good selection for that part I thought and it was a surprise to me when I first saw this movie back in uh, 1958 the Wolfman yeah man he's so he's so typecast as <laughs> yeah that, that, I mean, it's or, like Bella Lagosa you know Dracula, Dracula yeah, yeah. Um, so they they are uh, released by Big Sam but they're still chained together yeah he's not going to help them any more than just. Un- unlocking them from the pole that they had been chained to. but uh, So they're still on the run, and they get to this uh, ridge where uh, they run into this little boy named Billy. Uh, but right before they run into Billy, they, they end up having this confrontation that, that the Joker... Uh, sorry, the Joker, no. <laughs> Joker Jackson. Different character. Different, character, different uh, movie. <laughs> different, different genre. Yeah. Uh, yeah had kind of alluded to earlier so they get into a big fist fight but they are stopped by the fact that billy shows up who's probably he's probably like 10 or 12 maybe and he's got this little rifle it reminded me of the rifle that you said that you would ride around lewistown with you know? oh yeah i had a 22 rifle i can you imagine that going on today in north bend or anywhere else look at that kid on the bike with a rifle last about five seconds <laughs> and Billy automatically assumes that uh, Joker is sort of the good guy and Noah is sort of the bad guy based on yep. their skin color. And that alone. But the two of them, yeah. yeah, basically just that alone because why, I mean, they're chained together. Why would one be anyway? Um, but they, uh, Noah and J- Joker ask him a few questions and find out that he lives alone with his mom and, and there's nobody, he really have no neighbors and... And so my mind sort of goes to a, a dark place thinking, well, God, that's not good. Like, you know, these two guys are going to show up. and But it doesn't go down that way at all. No, I guess from my memory here, her husband had just abandoned the family and left them out yeah. there in the middle of nowhere with no real income. And their life was pretty desperate, oh, I think. Uh, no kidding. So, he's, so uh, she saw an opportunity that maybe... She could make an escape and a new life with the Joker. And there I go, that Joker Jackson, yeah, not the yeah. Joker. It's <laughs> just <laughs> too easy to do. It is. But that that uh, character doesn't have a name other than Billy's mother. But she she was played by Kara Williams, and uh, I thought she did a really good job. I did too, and, and like I said earlier, she uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, in this film. So she kind of helps him out and, and, and she thinks that she, well, let's say not, she doesn't think that she convinces Joker that they can run away together because Joker had talked about his time in New Orleans at, at Mardi Gras and how, uh, how great that was. And she 
has this idea of the two of them just disappearing into a really big city and nobody would be able to find them. And Look, well, you quit worrying. They ain't gonna catch him. Because he ain't never gonna get out of that swamp alive. What are you talking about? Didn't you tell him right? Well, they ain't all right. It's all bogs and quicksand. Why'd you do it? Well, suppose they caught him. What if they told him? What if he told him what? What if he told him what? What could he tell him? Well, so they wouldn't come looking, so, so we could have time. Time for what? Time. Time for us to get away, to, to get to a city, a big city so big they could never find you. I, I love that idea of, of a time when you could just you could just disappear into a big city like New York or Los Angeles or maybe New Orleans at the time, and nobody would be able to find you because they're i mean it'd be so hard to to track people back then oh so much different today yeah it would be more difficult to get lost in a big place but 60 years ago everything was was much more manually done and you could hide away i'm sure that happened yeah, a lot a, yeah and but uh, Billy's mother has an alternate plan, which is to send Noah into the swamps yeah. and to to separate him from Joker because she just wants to run away with Joker. And uh, I think Noah probably thinks that she's helping him out. Like, yeah, go this way to get to the train and, you know, you'll be able to get on the train. But he doesn't know that the swamps are deadly. Like, he's not going to he's not going to get through it. Yeah, I guess she thought that he would die in the swamp and then that would be one less person that knew where the where Joker and, and she took off to. I wasn't clear Joker, on how she was going to handle the kids. Well, I think she'd just tell him to keep it quiet. Yeah, you know, like. I guess. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, Joker figures out her plan and, and I thought that was a real turning point where he had a choice to make yes. where he could go along with it and escape with her or go and, and save Noah and he decides to go save Noah. So I think this is a part where we should say, hey, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the ending of this movie. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> and it's quite an, go watch it. Quite an ending. Uh, I, go watch it and uh, come back. Yeah. The, the, the film turns on when Joker is furious and runs after his friend. And Yeah, because I, I just assumed like... Before I watched the movie, I just assumed that either A, they would escape, or B, one of them would escape, and it would probably be Joker, or C, they would both get killed. Like, that, those were the options that I had in my head for the ending of this movie, and none of those were right. No. Although, he, although Joker did get shot by Billy, uh, and, mm -hmm. and quite seriously wounded. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't get killed. No, he did not get. Know. He did not get killed. He catches up with Cohen. So, yeah, so they catch up to each other and they hear the train coming and they start running for the train. But because Joker is injured and bleeding pretty badly, he's not able to run as quickly. Uh, Noah actually gets onto the train, and he and here Noah had a choice to make. Right, like Noah could have stayed on the train and escaped. But he decides to help Joker. Like he he tries to get him onto the train, but he can't. So he he just jumps off, right? Yeah, that's a that's a marvelous scene where where uh, Noah tries to get uh, Joker on the train. And, and I yeah, mean that's, that was that's 
really well it done. Really, it really is. I remember seeing this film when I was 16 years old in the theater there in Lewistown, and what an impact that had on me. I think the last 10 minutes of the film uh, is, is marvelous. I really do. And I, I love the end. I love the ending. It was not at all what I expected, like I said, but uh, they're kind of just exhausted at this point. I mean, they have nothing left to give. They just don't even care anymore about running. They're just, they just sit down and uh, Noah is kind of cradling Joker on his lap and is, and is holding his head and, and he, he starts to sing a song. And the dogs. It's best easy to Colin. Yeah. We gave him a hell of a run for it, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> the <Charlie> potatoes. <laughs> I'm mashed potatoes now. So are you. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And then they hear dogs barking off in the distance and they know that they're about to get caught. And they don't even care. He just, Noah just keeps singing. Yeah, they, I, they, they can't really get away now because Joker's too, too uh, injured. And the sheriff uh, appears and finds them singing, uh, finds Colin singing, puts his gun away, which I think was a significant statement. Uh, I, I like the part that, that Theodore Bakel played as the sheriff. I thought it was a, a well-rounded character who had a deeper understanding of what was going on than the part might have been had it been written differently. Well, he was definitely, besides the two main characters, he was the most fleshed out yes. character. Yeah. And I think a lot of the complaints on IMDb was that the a lot of the characters are just kind of one-note characters with no depth. And I think that is totally fine for me. I, I was fine with that because they really represented like an archetype or they were trying to get across the message of, I think, racism and segregation and... and what effect that had and how the thing that really struck me was the hierarchy of people in the movie. Yes. And that's, that's a real hallmark of, of like a, you know, racism. And uh, so you've got the sheriff kind of at the top and at the bottom you've got, um, I probably Noah would be at the bottom of, but then Joker's kind of one step above, above that. 
And then you've got the the people that are living in that factory town kind of just barely getting by. Oh, no. And maybe maybe Billy's mother is part of that group. And then you've got the folks from the local towns around that want to come out and be part of the posse. And they're, they're I, I don't know, like their only interest was, I felt like they really were out there for blood. Like, they, like if they had found Noah and Joker, they probably would have sh- just shot them. Oh, it, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I was, uh, I'm back to the sheriff a little bit. I, I, I ran across a review that was done of the film at the time it came out by Bosley uh, Carruther in the New York Times. And he said, and I quote, Theodore, Theodore Bakel is most impressive as a sheriff with a streak of mercy and justice. Which he has to fight to make, which he has to fight to maintain against a brutish state policeman played by Charles McGraw. And there is a contrast there between those two law enforcement and they're people. They're both they're both in positions of power, right? Yeah. They represent the state. Yeah. They represent law and or you know and order, uh, but they take two totally different approaches to it. So this is. Uh, kind of not atypical of Stanley Kramer films. Um, he said one time in an interview that uh, he liked Chuck E. Cheese's... No, that was not what he said. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he said that because he lived in the U.S. and of the freedom of, of expression and, and so forth, he, he wanted to make movies that had these messages in, that I mentioned earlier. Race relations, nuclear war... The Holocaust. He, he was very much into the, the 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 films that had a strong message, and most of his films were that way. Some of his later ones weren't quite as good, in my opinion. But these were like this is like right in his uh, wheelhouse. Well, and I think it's right in in your face too. Like, there's no denying that that's what this movie's about. It's not subtle. No. Um, and it, and it's not meant to be. I don't think. I think he all of those decisions about how the characters acted and the dialogue obviously were, were on purpose and that's what he was trying to get across. So I, I gave the film uh, a rating of a nine, which is just one off of our top rating, which has gone to like, uh, I think Stagecoach and Double Indemnity and a few others. It's a, it's a marvelous movie. I could rec- recommend it. Uh, to anyone to to see and and I think it might be a really good learning experience. Yeah, I would give it a nine as well, and uh, I, I just wish I could have watched a better version of it. I'm gonna have to keep my eye out for for that. Uh, maybe it'll be on Turner Classic Movies again soon. Yeah, they seem to show this movie like a couple times a year. I think it was shown this year during Black History Month, but I I, I may be mistaken on that. I don't remember for sure. Excellent movie. Yes, sir. I think there's a there's a series of films that we've watched that would be great companions to like a, a Black History Month or maybe a, 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 a course on race relations in the United States. You know, yeah. it's like... Well, uh, one film... This would be one of them. This would be one, and uh, Gentleman's Agreement would be another a movie that we have not done that we really need to think about doing in the future is uh, the best years of our lives so a wonderful movie but there are a lot of these like and well and then we watched that one where they um uh where he plays the doctor oh yes uh 
and Stephen McNally is his mentor. That's yeah, that's a that good was one. another yeah. really good one. Um, and I, I, man, I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. I uh, can't either right now. But it's one of our episodes. If I go to our website <laughs> and I look at our episode <laughs> listing, we have all those. And uh, I will look it up here because I want to. I think Richard Woodmark was in that film as well. He plays the uh, hoodlum, who's also... Was it on Dangerous Ground? No, that's No, that, well, that's another one, but that, that deals with a little different subject, but that's another one that's very good. Through with Robert Ryan and uh, Ward Bond and Ida Lupino. No Way Out. That no Way it. Out, yes, because it was yeah. redone years later with Kevin Costner, but it's not at all the same movie it's a completely it's all the, well the only similarity was the title, the title. we <laughs> talked about that yeah <clears throat> they must have paid for that title and then used it to their own uh interests so so that concludes our <laughs> defiant ones and um next up i guess is uh episode 102 and it'll be a review and kind of a trip down memory lane from our visit to Lone Pine, the Alabama Hills, Bishop, and Death Valley. I've already put my notes together. When you say our trip, I was not able to go to that. It was you and Nancy. uh, Nancy and then our friends Don, Lynn, Alice, and Jerry. Although that swag bag I sent you should keep you in the know. (laughs) Yeah, you sent me the most epic swag bag ever. I'll post pictures of it. uh, But, oh my gosh, I, I have enough reading and watching material that keep me going for a couple months i started putting together my thoughts for the podcast yesterday so i'll be ready when when that one comes up so until next time this is matt johnson coming to you from north bend and bob johnson in los angeles wishing everyone happy movie watching He never get home again. That judge be long gone to Kentucky. Long gone, don't mean baby. Long gone, what I mean. A long gone judge on a bowling green. Bowling green. Sewing machine. A little kitten sitting on a sewing machine. Sewing machine. So, so fast. So loving stitches. And a little cast tail.